0: A man in his 60s named Richard has a dispute with his HOA, the Homeowners Association. They don't like his lawn, so they try and send their own landscapers out in order to fix it. When they do that, they send Richard an invoice for it. Richard doesn't like that at all. So the next time the HOA tries to send landscapers to his house, he blocks access so the landscapers can't get to it. The HOA sends him the invoice anyway, and it happens again and again. After a year, he has so many invoices that the HOA has sent him for this whole landscaping situation that the debt crushes him and he loses his house. It's foreclosed on. Before he's forced to leave, he utterly destroys the house from the inside. And then he does the unthinkable. He goes back to the HOA and takes the lives of its members. When asked why he did this, he said, I was getting even. Here's what happened in this horrible situation. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell to turn on notifications. So to start off, this is a pretty old story that I remember not long after I moved out to the backwater armpit of Satan that we call Arizona and was instrumental in my parents not buying a house in a neighborhood with an HOA initially. So here's the backstory. This part of the story takes place shortly before the year 2000. In my state, we have numerous retiree communities that are run by HOAs, homeowners associations. The vast majority of them in my experience are as a respite and habilitation provider that can be summarized simply as near to full on tyrannical in their inter-community politics, often targeting members out of the clique, while heavily favoring those who fell in line. In this case, it started with Richard and the new HOA board, henceforth going to be abbreviated as NHB, new HOA board, for convenience sake. Richard had lived in his house in the community under the prior HOA board for close to 10 years. Before that, a community mailbox was installed near his driveway and had the borders of his house lined with row hedges. These two details will be important later. However, around early 2000, a new HOA governing board was elected. By this time, many others had moved into the area and began parking in front of the aforementioned mailbox, a number of which, to my memory, were NHB board members. Richard had at first tried talking to the offending mailbox blockers that would block his driveway. Eventually, however, he would resort to simply parking his car in front of the driveway and by extension, the mailboxes. In retaliation, the NHB would tow his car and invoice Richard for it. In addition to this, Richard was not the type to constantly preen and prune his hedges around his house or keep the lawn well kept. The HOA as a result began sending landscapers to trim them for him and would, naturally, invoice him every time they did for the bill. Richard, both verbally and in writing in rather rude terms, requested they not send them and denied the landscapers access to his house, but he was still invoiced for their being contracted even though they were sent away. Eventually, as I remember, the NHB would send the landscapers to his home when he was away or not home and then still invoice him the costs after. Finally, having enough, Richard ended up killing off his lawn and hedges to force the NHB to stop sending landscapers, but due to laws in my state and the NHB's bylaws, they were able to sue for the cost of all the invoices sent over the course of nearly a year or so, and managed to foreclose on Richard's house for the unpaid fees. So, he was forced to move out, and chose to move to California for a time. This is where the revenge begins. With the events leading up to the nuclear revenge sets in place. Now we can discuss Richard's Revenge. Richard had practically been living out of a trailer for a little while while stewing over his treatments at the hands of his former NHB. Richard had still owned a storage unit in Arizona, which contained his arms, a boomstick, and two semi auto GATS. That April, he returned to Arizona with one goal in mind revenge. Richard's former HOA held official meetings bi yearly with other smaller meetings for emergencies or voted to convene. Richard entered the NHB's meeting with his arms, opened fire and ended the life of two board members outright wounding one more and wounding another during a scuffle with another man trying to wrestle his boomstick away from him. When Richard was later questioned why he committed the crime, his only response was, I was getting even. Later, Richard was sentenced to death for the murders, but he ended up passing away of natural causes while still on death row. In the end, the HOA was disbanded for some time following the wake of the murders. They have at this point re-established, but from what I recall, they've been quite careful who they elect to the board. And that's the story as I remember it. Sorry if some details are a little vague, sparse, or slightly off. These events happened almost 20 years ago now, and I was fairly young at the time. Having only been told the story later by my father and friends, and a little side research of my own, I thought it might fit well. So if for some reason you don't believe this story, this is one of the stories that actually had news coverage. So there's a few different articles on this if you want to read more. I'll leave links to them on the Am I the Jerk Discord and on the Am I the Jerk Twitter. Whatever's more convenient for you if you want to read more. So, obviously, it goes without saying that the way that Richard handled this is never the way to handle anything, clearly. But how would you handle a situation where you own a house and it gets foreclosed on because of invoices that the HOA is sending to you from these landscapers? So, let's break this down. In a lot of these stories where people are pushed to the brink, it always seems like, eventually, one of these people is just going to totally snap and and that's exactly what happened in this story. He pretty much threw his life away by ending their lives. Obviously we don't get to hear from his perspective so we don't know what type of mindset that he was in going into all of this. Not that that would ever excuse it but if I had to guess I would say he was probably coming from a place of desperation. In one of the articles it says that he was 61 years old and as a lot of you guys know financial wipeouts tend to be more devastating the older you are because it's the less time you have to rebuild and this was not only a financial wipeout but he no longer had a place to live anymore. In the article, they got some quotes from one of the people that was in the room, a 76 year old guy who said he just came in, stood in the rear of the room, and started firing. I mean, hearing that is so sad that people have to go through that. In another section of the same article, it says that before he left after his home was sold, neighbors and others said he destroyed his interior, sawing through cabinets and removing the dishwasher in the kitchen sink. A former associate vice president that they got this quote from said he took a chainsaw to the doors, took a chainsaw saw to the plastic tub and the plastic shower stall. He also etched big X's on the Arcadia doors, pulled down the sheetrock, cut the wiring in the walls. So he went full on nuclear when he lost his home. If you've ever been evicted, you can probably relate to how powerless you feel, especially if you're really young and you don't have the means to save the situation. That happened to me when I was a lot younger too, but we never destroyed anything. We just left it as it was. I hear stories about people putting cockroach babies in the floors and bugs in the walls and cement down the drain all sorts of stuff to try and completely make the house uninhabitable for the next person. So let me know how you see the situation. Obviously what he did is not the right answer. But what do you think would have been? Let me know what you think down below. I won over $5,000 in court because of a car accident that I caused. So for a little information before I get into the story, I'm a 22 year old male, I work in construction, I run a few crews, and I'm a foreman because I've been working in this field since I started working summers when I was 14 years old. That's legal in my state. With this being said, I have a lot of experience and I get paid really well. For my job, I need a truck that can pull a lot of trailers and also get into a lot of sketchy job sites, especially in the winter. So I drive a new lifted pickup F-350. Anyway, let's get into it. So about four months ago now, I got off of work one day and I just really didn't feel like making dinner. So I decided to get myself the trusty Big Mac and McDonald's. Well, after I got my order, I was going to pull out into the parking lot to drive home and I was looking hard over my left to see how busy the road was before I got there. While well, I wasn't paying great attention to what was happening in front of me. And as I was creeping forward, someone who was in front of me was stopped and not paying attention either. I ended up barely hitting his mirror and scraping his door with my front end. I immediately reversed and hopped out. I made sure the guy was okay and apologized, knowing that it was my fault. And I asked him if he wanted to call the cops. Let's call this guy Brent. Brent says, nah, bro, we're good. (laughs) If you could just get me your insurance info, I think we could get this taken care of. I was fine with that as there was no damage done to my truck and it's not required to call the cops for an accident if it occurs in a private parking lot. This is relevant later. We exchanged information and he seemed pretty cool. So I tell him to go get the damage bid and I'll just pay in cash so my insurance rates don't go up as long as he's okay with it. He says that's fine and we both just leave and I feel like a moron, but all in all, Brent seems like a cool dude and I just hope we can get it sorted out smoothly About a month passes by and I haven't heard anything from Brent or the shop that I told him to go to. Honestly, I wasn't too stressed about this because if he decided not to get it done, that's on him. Well, he calls me one day at about noon saying he can't remember my name and he wanted to tell the guys at the shop who sent him there because it seemed like we knew each other. I told him my name and the guys at the shop gave him a deal. Pretty sure they say this to everyone. He sends me the bid for the damages and it comes out to $2,403. This was more than I I imagined, but I said to get it done and I'd take care of the bill afterward, and that was that. He hung up, said it was cool, and I went on with my day as usual. Another month goes by, and I don't hear anything until Brent calls me up while I'm at work again and says, Hey, brother, I talked to the shop and they said they can't get me in for another two weeks or so, and they may end up charging me more if they find more damage. <laughs> I say, Okay, sounds good. Just let me know, man. I hope it goes smooth for you, and I'm sorry for the inconvenience. He seemed to take it good, and I'm really just trying to be a good person. He responds with, "Well, after talking to my wife. I'm okay if you just wanted to write a check for $2,500, and we can call it even. This seemed odd to me, because why wouldn't someone want their vehicle repairs all paid for? I say, Okay, man, let's set a time and place to meet, and I'll get you paid. He liked the idea and ended the call by telling me he would let me know. Yet another month passes by, and I hear nothing. At this point, I'm getting fed up and I just want the situation to stop being over my head. He hits me up at 11pm one night and asks if we can meet in town. I found this kind of disrespectful because I was nearly asleep and I had to be at work at 5am the next day. Either way, I said that was fine and took my $2,500 cash and wrote up a quick contract saying this payment would be accepted as payment in full for the damages and by accepting it, it would release me from any and all liability. This was a pretty fair contract I believe, as it was the deal we had already made over the phone just in writing. I get to the place we suggested as a meetup spot, I give him the cash and he signs the contract without hardly even reading it and he didn't want the copy. This was a red flag to me but I just assumed he really didn't care about it all that much so I just sent him the photo of the contract and go back home for some beauty sleep. And as you can guess by now another month goes by with me just living life carefree and not a worry in the world about this stupid car accident. Well I go to check my mail and I have a notice from this guy's lawyer that he is suing me for not paying after wrecking his car. This pissed me off. But I also knew I had plenty of text messages and a contract on my side. I immediately called Brent and he blocks my number. Luckily enough, my girlfriend works for a lawyer. So I get him updated and he says that he'd love to help. He lets me know that I saved my butt by writing that contract as any contract worth over $500 is to be held up in any court in my state. I immediately get to work on my revenge. I remember on the side of this guy's car he had a business logo and I took pictures of the damage so I hop online, get to the Better Business Bureau to look up who owns this company thinking that surely he couldn't own the business because he is such an idiot. I was wrong. This guy owns that company and I see that he has about 12 one star reviews all in dispute because of his shady business practices telling people it will cost one thing and then charging them four times times what he said it would. Sound familiar? Remember when he said the shop may charge more than the original $2,403? That's right. He was suing me for $10,000. Four times what the shop told him it would cost. Unbelievable. He was trying his same sneaky tactics on me. My lawyer takes note of this and we show up to court ready for war. This guy is sleazy. As we get there and all set up, he says, You ready to give me some more daddy's money? (laughs) With a smirk. I guess just because I'm young and I drive a nice truck and I could afford $2,500. His lawyer gets up and starts trying to say this nonsense about me hitting and running and Brent barely got a picture of my license plate. So I tried to bully him into taking a deal for only $2,500 when the damage was clearly more than that. There were obvious holes in this story. And he really didn't have much to say. Just imagine the smile on my face as my lawyer lays out the printouts of our text messages and the physical copy of the contract, which was signed by Brent. His lawyer was ghostly white and looked sick. After laying out all the evidence, my lawyer pulled out a little hidden gem, the printouts of all the complaints we found on the Better Business Bureau, and how he was doing the same thing to me. That was the final nail in the coffin as the judge said he had seen enough. He asked Brent for any final statements and Brent said, I don't even have the 2500 anymore. Can I just like get that then and we'll be okay? Literally admitting to the judge that he had received my money and his story was just a load of nonsense. I thought his lawyer was going to strangle him. It was beautiful. The judge ended up ruling in my favor and demanded him to pay my legal fees as well as damages and lost wages because I had to miss work to be in court. The absolute sweetest was that this particular day my crew was on a very high wage job and I was technically the one getting paid before I paid them out as subcontractors. This means I was to be paid $475 an hour and this whole ordeal took about five hours. He ended up having to pay me almost $5,000. I don't think I've ever been so happy in my life. So was my revenge enough? So this scammer guy was not very smart. He signed a contract that said that he received the $2,500 and then pretends like that didn't happen, like it was a hit and run, and then accidentally admits that he did get the $2,500. I wouldn't be surprised if he was lying about the quote on his car in the first place that it didn't even cost $2,500. When the scammer guy told the OP the price the first time, the OP says, this was more than I imagined, but I said to get it done and I take care of it afterwards. So just due to the fact that he was shocked that it will cost so much based on the minimal damage, I would just call this shop and say, hey, what did you actually quote this guy for this car? If he ever even came in at all, because maybe the damage is only a tiny fraction of that and he can get back most of the $2,500 also on top of the $5,000 he got for missing his work. There are some scammers out there that are so sophisticated, so meticulous that it's almost like it's more work than actually doing a normal job. But this guy is not that. He's a lazy scammer. And it's to the point where his lawyer is embarrassed about it because he was blindsided. I don't know what the legal term is. Maybe. One of you guys know but in some cases I know that you can't actually bring in character establishing details that don't have to do with the case or whatever the correct term is for that. In this case that would be bringing in the 12 one star reviews to show the judge. I know in some cases you're not allowed to do stuff like that but here maybe you were allowed to do that and she just bases character on those reviews. So if anything like this has ever happened to you submit your stories or if it hasn't what would you do if you're in this situation? Let me know down below. Am I the jerk for literally showing my dad how he behaves every day when he gets home from work? I'm a six 16-year-old female and my father is 46. He's the breadwinner while my mom is a stay-at-home mom. She handles everything around the house like cooking, mopping, washing, laundry, etc. I'm the oldest and I try to help but really there's only so much I can do while my dad just gets home at the end of the day and literally complains about everything like how the carpet isn't clean or how the food is cold. As a result, I'd have to listen to a huge argument daily between him and my mom. It's exhausting but honestly I think my dad is in the wrong here. I tried talking to him to get him to see how his behavior is but to no avail. So what I did was pick a day off for him and pretend to act like him. I put together an outfit that looked like a suit and put black tape over my lips to look like a mustache. At 6 p.m. I went inside the house. I shouted I'm home then sat down next to him in the living room and started kicking my shoes while complaining about the state of the house at the top of my lungs. He glanced at me confused asking what I was doing. I ignored him then started yelling about the carpet being dirty, the shower not being ready, the kids needing to be quiet and so on. He kept staring while mom and my siblings laughed. My youngest brother kept pointing towards me saying... This is daddy. I then proceeded to yell about dinner and then berated my mom for not preparing it before time. My dad stopped me and in a serious tone asked me what I was doing. I turned to him and said, What? can a man rest after working long hours? In the most macho voice I could muster. My dad got the hint because this was the common phrase he uses daily. He went quiet and avoided looking at me. I stopped the act and told him I was trying to show him what he's like every day when he comes home from work. He said no nothing. He just went outside and refused to speak to me. Later on, he went on about how I mocked him and invalidated him. That he does work hard and me doing this was disrespectful and invalidating. My mom said that it was funny, but also thought that I hurt my dad's feelings and I could have gotten the message across some other way instead. So am I the jerk? It sounds like the OP isn't able to communicate how much him acting like this bothers her in the first place. So doing something like this is her form of communication to show him how he makes them feel every day. He's upset about his feelings being hurt, but their feelings are probably hurt every day and he's not listening to them. As some of the top responses said, she basically held up a mirror to his behavior and he didn't like what he saw. And that may be true, but it seems like he didn't even see himself in this until she said his catchphrase, can't a man rest after working long hours? That's when he realized what was going on. Let me know how you see the situation down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the Cream of the Crop music. Search for Cream of the Stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright-free music to use for your stream. It's free, Cream of the Stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. we will see you guys next time.